Thanks to everyone for joining us on Fiona's R&D Tax Credit Podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello. Normally, I host the Fiona Show and the Fiona Show Hot Off the Press Cross-Border Solutions Transfer Pricing Podcasts. But today, we're bringing you a program for our new mission, helping companies claim R&D tax incentives across the globe. And research shows that only 5% of companies who qualify apply. So let's get that remaining 95% from leaving so much money on the table, shall we? These podcasts are eligible for CPE credits, and to claim them, just email us at Show at xbs.ai. Again, that's all one word, Show at xbs.ai. Today, I'm sitting here with the future host of this program, Rahim Walji. He is our director of R&D tax credits at Cross Border Solutions, but he's also going to answer a couple of questions for us today, just about the capabilities of the software, a product we're very proud of here at Cross Border, and also its potential impact on R&D in general. Rahim, thanks so much for being with us. Happy to join. So why is research and development incentivized by tax authorities? That's a great question. Really, the purpose of tax authorities wanting to incentivize R&D is to incentivize companies and taxpaying businesses to headquarters and build offices and innovate within those countries and within those borders. The goal is for those countries to attract businesses so that they can remain competitive both internally at an economic level, as well as on a global competitive level. And really what what it is, is it's a job creation type tool. It's allowing companies to receive benefits for employing individuals with specialized backgrounds and experiences so that you can hire those types of people, get credits for those types of, of, of work that they're performing and keep that intellectual brain power within the country as opposed to, you know, the outsourcing that you saw, uh, you know, in the 80s and 90s, a lot of that was happening. So it's really to keep that brain power within those countries and make them more competitive. How many countries offer R&D tax credits? You know, it's always fluctuating. There's always new countries coming in and coming out. But I would say the range right now is between 25 to 35 countries have some sort of tax credit or even more have some sort of just tax incentive in general, maybe not a credit, but some sort of deduction or something related to patents on, on new technologies. But it's in the range of 25 to 35. And then that's in addition to you know the US and Canada, each of which has multiple sort of local credits, if you will, right? The US has 30 plus states that offer some sort of incentive. And then Canada has its provinces, all of which that offer an R&D incentive as well. So it's, it's really a global focus from, from countries and provinces and states that, that offer some sort of incentive. Very similar to the dynamics we cover so often in transfer pricing. It goes by different names and everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. Now, how do you qualify for R&D tax credits in the United States? So within the U.S., the Internal Revenue Code lays out a set of requirements that need to be followed or complied with in order to qualify for R&D tax credits. Primarily, there is a four-part test, and essentially what that looks for is a new or improved business component, a new product, improving a process, you know, developing a new formula, right? Some sort of of new or improvement that's happening. Um, Second is an elimination of uncertainty. So if you think about it at the beginning of an R&D type project, the R&D team needs to be uncertain about the capability. You know, can can the company do this? 
the methodology. How are we going to do this? Or, you know, the ultimate or, or final design of, of what is this going to look like, right? So they have to be uncertain about that at the beginning. The third prong is a process of experimentation. And what that is, is a way in which the R&D team is going to eliminate that uncertainty that we just talked about, right? So are they using a modeling process? Are they using an iterative design process, you know, version one, version two, version three, and improving it along the way? Or are they using a systematic trial and error? It can't just be, you know, basic trial and error. There has to be a system of analysis being applied, but there needs to be that process of experimentation, you know, to try to get that elimination of uncertainty. And the last piece is it needs to be technological in nature. And what that means is it needs to be rooted in the hard sciences. So it can't just be purely mathematics, right? It's got to be physics, chemistry, um, engineering. Those are computer science, right? Those are the types of sciences that the tax code is looking to incentivize and reward. Historically, what challenges have companies encountered regarding research and development tax credits? So I think the first is just even being aware that it exists. You know, if you think about it, a lot of tax-related items, there's really no way to, to get information about them unless you know someone within the field, right? A CPA or, or a tax advisory firm, you know, so just knowledge about its existence in the first place has been a challenge because there's no way to really discover this information on TV or anything like that. From there, the next piece is understanding what the requirements are, right? So, okay, first, it ex- you know, does this R&D credit exist? Second, what are the requirements and how do I interpret this legal language and this regulatory language that's here from in the tax code? That can be a challenge sometimes deciphering what needs to be there. Third, and this is really more kind of an operations piece, is, you know, gathering the right information and the documentation that's needed to support um, a credit calculation, understanding how to calculate the credit because there's different ways. How do you keep track of all of the changing laws and regulation? If you look at today, there's constantly some sort of proposal in Congress to change the R&D tax credit or change the way it's applied or who's qualifying for it. So it's, it's hard to just keep track of all that. And then lastly, you know, a lot of companies have multiple operations in different states and it's just really hard to keep track of everything that's happening and making sure that each department or each location is, is doing their part. It can be a little bit uh, like air traffic control, you know, trying to make sure that everybody's doing the right thing at the right time and keeping it all centralized in one view can be very difficult. So what do typical R&D reports include? How is R&D typically documented? You know, this ranges depending on who's performing the analysis, but in general, an R&D report will include, you know, some background information about the company. You know, what are their operations like? Where are they located? How big are they? And then what types of, of services or products do they deliver? Then it'll, you know, focus more on the qualified activities, right? So you'll talk about the company as a whole first. Then you'll talk about, you know, the areas that really qualify for the credit so that there's a more focused analysis. Um, third, you'll see a deep dive into maybe specific qualifying projects or um, specific qualifying roles or employee job titles within the, the department that are getting involved, right? So a, a deep dive into how a particular project actually meets the compliance requirements or the employees working on those projects, how those activities align with what the compliance requirements dictate. And then you'll, of course, see information related to the financials, right? So the credit calculation itself, the supporting information that goes into tabulating those expenses, whether it's labor costs, material costs, 
outside consultants or uh, rental or lease of computers. So you think about cloud computing and hosting development or testing environments for software development. You'll see those types of expenses being tabulated and summed in the back as well as the credit calculation itself. So the types of, of documentation, if you will, right? So we talked about the structure of, of a report, but you know, the types of documentation that really support the R&D activities that are being performed are going to be contemporaneous type items, right? So if you think about um, an architecture firm and they have different design iterations, right, of what a building or what a particular facility is going to look like. If you think about a manufacturing firm or a software firm, they usually develop some sort of product requirements or specifications at the beginning of a new project so that they can outline what the functionality needs to be or what the features need to be or what the, the particular design components need to look like. And then, of course, any internal tools or notes, right? So you think about meeting notes. If you have a new product development meeting, there's there's notes to recap what the discussion was. Or you think about emails going back and forth that confirm you know, design modifications or changes or things like that. So those types of notes or, or lists or CapEx lists that talk about capital expenditures and large equipment purchases you know, are usually indicative of large facility or manufacturing process improvements because you had to integrate a new piece of equipment. So there's really a lot of different types of documentation that can be really helpful. And the good thing is the tax code does not lay out a specific list, like you must have document A, B, C. It really leaves it up to each taxpayer to develop and identify what makes sense within their business, because every company operates a little bit different. And who usually performs the task of assembling the R&D report and basically doing this work? It depends on the savviness or, or the complexity of the taxpayer. If, if I'm honest, it, it really, you know, there are a lot of taxpayers who are not very savvy about the R&D tax credit or tax provisions in general. And so they'll hire an outside consultant or one of their tax advisors to come in and perform an analysis as well as document the steps and compile the documentation that's needed. There are also very savvy, large, complex taxpayers that have a team internally that's capable of understanding the tax code. They have relationships internally with the company, right? So they they will facilitate that process internally. So it's a mix of internal and external. Um, but generally when a consultant does it, you know, they'll charge a fee. For, for the services that they offer that may be related to how much they find, or it may be a separate amount. And then internally, you know, it's really just the cost of, of the people's time to, to do the work.
So Cross-Border Solutions has an AI-driven software solution for research and development. This lowers the cost of applying and compliance in every jurisdiction around the world. Can you tell us a little bit about what the software does? So first thing that the software does is it provides centralization and visibility or transparency, if you will, in real time. So one of the things that you know a lot of taxpayers are challenged by is having to reach out to that external consultant or having to reach out to an internal project leader to get an update on where everything is or uh, how much are we finding or uh, when are things due. So the software does the first and foremost basic aspect of give sort of a dashboard, if you will, of where is each entity's calculation or each jurisdiction's calculation? What are the due dates? What's the status of it? And what are maybe the potential estimated costs or estimated benefits that are being identified. So that's one piece, right? The second is it provides, you know, we have things like even a time tracking feature where if companies maybe don't have a tracking tool or a project accounting system or anything internally, because, you know, maybe that's too expensive for, for them to, to go out and purchase separately. We offer that in as part of the software as well. In addition to the, you know, the dashboard piece and the time tracking piece, there's also a way to qualify the projects, right? So Fiona, we call our artificial intelligence personality, Fiona. Fiona knows all of the compliance requirements in each jurisdiction, whether it's the US, a state, Canada, a province, UK, Australia, right? All of the international jurisdictions. Fiona knows all the rules and requirements and they're presented in an easy to understand format so that an individual using the software can look at those compliance questions and requirements and say, whether their project that they're working on qualifies for R&D. And then the last uh, two pieces are, you know, the expenses portion, right? So a company can, as long as their reports, you know, from their systems can be downloaded in an Excel format, they can be uploaded and digested by our software and analyzed in terms of whether it's labor costs or material costs or any of the expenses that go into the R&D calculation. We can capture those there and generate everything into a report. So simply click of a button, all of the qualitative information, the quantitative information all gets downloaded and compiled and automatically into a report. And then the last piece that I mentioned is Fiona, right? So that's, I think, the biggest game changer in terms of or disruption in terms of how R&D is being done. So in the past, it's really been done by experts, professional experts, a manual process, um, you know, a human endeavor. We've brought technology and artificial intelligence into this to remove errors um, in the calculation, right? You think about most of these calculations are done in these Excel workbooks and have all these different formulas and you have to sum all these different rows and columns. And, you know, you think about how easy it is to make a mistake or how easy it is to leave something out. You know, the technology prevents that from happening and creates a more accurate uh, space, but it also provides insights, right? So whereas a human being in the past would have to analyze all this data and identify some patterns or some outliers, our technology uses artificial intelligence to help you know, determine are these individuals being allocated in the right amount? Are we potentially missing any other jurisdictional benefits? We leverage the technology and it really saves us a lot of time, which helps the client save a lot of time. And therefore we can pass on those cost savings to those companies. Now, many companies who qualify for R&D tax credits don't apply for them. That's a lot of money on the table. Why is that? So I think part of it has to do with what we talked about earlier. They're just not aware that it exists, number one. Number two, they're not aware that they can qualify. A lot of people think about R&D as very lab coat and lab bench type uh, experimentation, 
where really it's meant to incentivize applied research as well, not just pharmaceutical companies, you know, developing new medicines or white lab coats, testing new formulas or anything like that. It's really meant to incentivize a company who is developing and improving things in their business. It doesn't have to be new to the world. So I think that's another challenge is they don't realize that they are, are qualifying for this benefit. They're doing this work every day, but they don't realize it. And then the third is their tax position. So maybe they're not in a place where, you know, the tax credit makes sense at the time. And so it kind of goes to the back burner and they don't realize that there's other ways to use this benefit, right? You can offset payroll tax and you can do other things. So, or that the benefit carries forward, you know, so I think that that's sort of the third component is their tax position and and, uh, how that impacts whether they want to claim that benefit. Now, It's hard to keep track of R&D regulations, of course, first because they're different for every jurisdiction, but also because the regulations change all the time. How does the software help with changing regulations? You know, this is a definite challenge that a lot of companies have, especially multinational companies that have locations in all these different countries or different states. So the software itself, Fiona, the artificial intelligence, as well as our team behind this software um, are constantly receiving or, or, you know, we call it scraping, but they're, they're evaluating um, um, state or country websites and you know, the different departments or tax authority newsletters, or even reaching out directly to these departments to make sure that we're staying ahead of any changes to these regulations. Then that next step is automatically to update the software and ensure that the regulations are up to date within the platform itself. And so at any given time, a customer who's using our software platform and has a license to it can go in and see, we call it sort of a global guide, right? They can go in and see each jurisdiction, what the rules and requirements are. So the software keeps track of all of it. So a customer doesn't have to. And so you think about, you know, you're cutting tens or hundreds of hours off of the research job that it takes for an in-house person or even a tax advisor to go do this. We've got our software to be able to do it. So it really makes the process a lot easier. Of course. Now, what are some of the red flags for tax authorities in terms of R&D? You know, first and foremost, I think it's a, a lack of, of information or, or documentation around the process is really a big key. So, you know, it may be that individuals know what happened, but there's no way to demonstrate it through contemporaneous documentation. So that's usually a red flag. If there's not enough documentation to support what's going on, that that definitely is a, a something that the IRS or, or tax authority will hone in on to make sure that they, it can be demonstrated through documentation. Another thing is just in and of itself through a process thing, you know, when you amend a return, that's always sort of putting your tax return back in the pool to be potentially audited. So, you know, we always try to advise companies as much as you can, you want to get this on your original return so you don't resubmit that tax return, which, you know, can be fee, more fees for redoing the return, more fees for submitting the return. And then you're also having that potential audit risk. And then not to say that there are certain flags around certain industries, but there are certain industries that are just, you know, typically difficult to document, um, depending on how the company is structured. And so it's kind of an overlap. It's not really the industry problem. It's again, back to the standards and processes that are there. There's just not enough documentation or information, or that's because maybe a company um, is too far removed, or maybe they acquired another business and none of those employees are available anymore. So, you know, that there's not enough information to use because those people are, are no longer available. Also, where before you had a lot of manual work and often many teams say one to redeem credits in Canada, one to redeem credits in the US. Now with software, you just need one. Exactly. Right. That's one of the 
huge benefits of this software platform is before you really had to engage multiple experts or teams of experts, if you will, in order to calculate this work because they were the ones that knew all of the requirements and nuances. And now with the technology and, and the availability of all the information you know, on the web, there's a lot of, of information that's out there that our software platform can gather. And now a customer no longer needs to engage five different companies or five different tax teams to do the work. You just need this one piece of software because it has all of the rules, all the regulations. It knows all the expenses that, that can be captured in, in different jurisdictions. And it puts everything in one place so you can see it all at one time instead of having to reach out to the platform. And I know from transfer pricing that an audit can come three to four years after the fact. Now, what's the turnover like in R&D? What, what's the timetable in terms of when you're handing in documentation versus when you're going to be audited? In general, audits can occur right with any given point within three years of filing a tax return, right? So the IRS has that that same window of time, just like a tax payer can go back and amend a return within three years. The, the tax authorities can come in and audit a return within a three-year period of it being filed. And so, you know, an, a, a challenge with that is without retaining the right documentation or having a report or some sort of analysis in place for your R&D credits, you think about, you know, the IRS comes in two and a half years later after you've submitted your return and done the calculation. If you don't have, you know, the information documented properly or available to you readily, um, it can be difficult to then go in and support that audit, right? And you sort of kind of have to start from the beginning. And then now the tax authority gets to really control the pace and the process. Um, so, you know, again, the software keeps everything in it. It keeps all the reporting and keeps all the data that's there for, available to the, the client, right? It doesn't, it doesn't remain on our servers anywhere. It's all available to the client from their portal. Um, and so it's, again, another great way to centralize the information and, and document the information and keep it available um, for those potential future questions that make it out. You mentioned there was a three-year period after a report is handed in that it can be audited. Is that the original report, or is that after the amended report? It's three years from when you filed your tax return. If you amend, it's a completely different rule, and it depends on whether you adjusted tax payments, so it's a lot more complicated. If you amended a tax return, but you didn't pay any other tax, then it may not change it. But if you did pay tax and the IRS gets another, you know, extra bit of time to do that, but it just depends on the type of entity and what taxes are. Since I worked on this function of the transfer pricing software, I might be a little biased in saying this, but cross-border solutions is known for adding a voice component to its software. Transfer pricing Fiona is powered through the Amazon Alexa, and you can ask her all kinds of questions about transfer pricing, deadlines, rules, penalties. Is there a voice component in the R&D software? Yes, there actually is. So Fiona, similar to transfer pricing, can be accessed through an Amazon um, Echo Dot or, or through Amazon, uh, any Alexa-enabled device. You could simply say, you know, Alexa, please ask Fiona. And on R&D, a user can get information about different jurisdictions. What are the rules and regulations? What are the deadlines? All of that can can be accessed through that voice portal. Additionally, 
we, that time tracking component that I mentioned, right? There's a way to link the software. So you could say, you know, Alexa, please ask Fiona to track five hours today to R and D project, you know, on the manufacturing process. And so it'll automatically update that information as well. So that information definitely is in there and accessible and, and is a really cool tool for uh, people to use. Time tracking, of course, is an important part of R&D tech's credits. It can strengthen a position. How will the software help them keep track of hours spent on research? So um, as I've mentioned, you know, through some of the features we talked about earlier, we offer a, a, an actual time tracking uh, tool within the software. Because, again, a lot of companies maybe aren't as sophisticated or don't have the resources to go and spend, you know, $25,000 or $50,000 just on a time tracking tool that they need. So we offer that as part of our software platform. And now companies can go in and use that platform to uh, add a new R&D project in, add new people that are working on that project. Each of those individuals can then go in, or as I mentioned earlier, use that voice component to track their time that's related to R&D work. And then all of that information then is viewable in real time by any of the stakeholders that are, are leveraging or, or accessing the platform. Does the software just work on international tax credits? No, it works on global. So everything in the U.S., the states, Canada, the provinces, as well as all of the countries that offer some sort of tax credit. And you've been working as an attorney in helping corporate clients apply and claim R&D tax credits for a long time now. How has technology changed the process for you? I think technology, just like with many, many other industries, has been able to bring a lot of advancement to the process. And what I mean by that is in the past, you know, in a true professional services environment, you know, a true consulting type firm, a lot of this is all done and customized through Excel or emails or phone calls. And there wasn't a lot of automation or opportunity to build in certain processes into place. And so things had to be recreated or done again and again, and there's no way to, to really enhance that process. And so it became very tedious and cumbersome and to be honest, expensive for, for clients, right? When you think about sort of a billable hour format um, and what it takes to get some of these things done. Technology, you know, and especially cross-border solutions in the way that this platform has been developed is leveraging technology so that the software does a lot of the work that could be repetitive and automated. And now, you know, myself as an expert in the R&D field, as well as my team, can really leverage what we bring to the table, which is subject matter expertise, not really worrying about, you know, is this Excel formula set up right? The software takes care of that as long as the parameters are put in properly. We can really focus on the customer experience and making sure that the platform is, is offering everything that they need. But then also we can leverage the technology to find patterns, find opportunities. And it's no longer, you know, creating these weird Excel formulas or searches or spending hours combing through data to help a client. The technology really aids us in that process. And so it makes it a much more fulfilling process because team gets to really focus on their subject matter expertise and the technology becomes a tool also for us to use and really enhance that experience. So I really see this as a way of the future. You know, it's a way to leverage both the artificial intelligence and the technology that exists to make things faster, more efficient, more accurate, but also not losing that human element and the expertise that's brought in from subject matter alone.
Of course. And much like transfer pricing, we're seeing a lot of companies have to put processes in place by which they're getting better at it, usually from a place of not knowing what they're doing at first. And of course, everybody's human. But what mistakes do you see companies make when it comes to R&D tax credits? And how do you recommend avoiding them? You know, I think there's a few big mistakes, but one, you know, that comes to the top of mind is number one, it not being a company endeavor and being localized to a very limited number of people. And I think what happens when it's not a corporate initiative or a corporate, you know, focus is this becomes sort of an extra activity or an extra job responsibility. And people don't take it as seriously or commit to it the level of attention that's needed. And so companies miss out on activities that are qualified or miss out on expenses that are qualified. And therefore it really lowers their benefit and can make them think sometimes that, oh, this isn't worth the effort. But really what it is, is there's not a level of support within the company that shows that this is, this is something that's a, a big focus and how it's going to help the firm. Second is process. So a lot of companies and a lot of consultants who do this type of work, they do it retrospectively. And what I mean by that is they wait until after the entire tax year is over to then go back 12 to 15 months and figure out what happened during the tax year. And so if you don't have, number one, that corporate focus, it's very difficult to go back and recall all of this information. So you think about the accuracy that you're losing. You may not be able to find the documentation anymore, or you may not be able to find those people anymore, right? In today's economy, people change jobs, and it happens frequently. So sometimes those people are no longer available, and so you're missing those opportunities. So not taking a contemporaneous approach can be a, a mistake as well. And then third, I think, is just not asking enough questions of, Experts that are out there are not doing enough sort of research, if you will, to make sure that the company is approaching this in the right way. And I think that's where outside experts can really come in and, and help companies claim these benefits. I've, I've had been fortunate enough to work with companies that have started with, you know, 500,000, a million dollars in revenue. And now they're at 10, 12 million in revenue because they took the hundred thousand dollars that they got as an R&D credit and went and hired two more people or bought another piece of equipment. And, you know, it's really exciting to see that growth. And for us, it's rewarding and fulfilling because we get to use our expertise to help these companies get these benefits and, and keep these jobs um, and keep growing. So it's, it's really exciting, but the mistakes, they do happen. You know, the good thing is that you can claim the R&D credit again the next year and the next year. And so <laughs> right. um, there's plenty of opportunities out there. But I think those are just some of the big mistakes that we see. That lack of corporate focus, doing it retrospectively. And then just not putting a good standard process in place to keep documents and things like that just, just um, on servers and things like that. They just sort of get retained with the individuals. And at that point, it's very easy to lose things. So. Of course, of course. And so much uh, that's a part of education and making sure we're not making the same mistakes again is listening to great podcasts with great hosts, helping us to stay abreast of the latest. Mr. Walji, thank you so much for being on the program today and we look forward to having you on future episodes of course leading the discussion happy to join you can subscribe to this podcast on apple podcasts and spotify that's fiona's r&d tax credit podcast and we will fill you in on all the knowledge you need on r&d tax credits in every episode until then <laughs>